Welcome to the Humanity Leadership Podcast. My name is David Wheatley. We're here to talk leadership in small, bite-sized and practical chunks. Enjoy. So this episode, I have a guest, Daria Gutnick, who is an entrepreneur, a leadership coach, and uh, developing a, a tool called Bunch, which is available at various app stores. And you can go to bunch.ai in order to check that out. And it's the idea of the leadership coaching that goes on between the leadership coaching. And so uh, we have a good conversation about that, how she got into it, and what it uh, takes to be an entrepreneurial woman in uh, the tech world these days. And she's got a fascinating history from Russia to Germany to the US. And uh, and so fascinating to talk to, and I think you'll enjoy. So welcome to this episode. And, and my guest is Daria Gutnick. So welcome, Daria. Hi, everyone. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for the invite. And you're speaking to us from New York at the moment? I'm actually in Berlin right now, but I'll be back to New York in January, okay, missing so, all the Christmas fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. And I, uh, I was just explaining, I get a lot of uh, pitches sent to me for people that uh, should be on my podcast. And I, I pick about one out of 10. And, uh, and your bio was interesting uh, enough that I thought, oh, this is going to be a fun conversation. So I look forward to it. Uh, but I always start off with What's just a 30-second bio for our listeners that helps people understand why they should listen to you? First of all, you made me blush, of course, and so much performance pressure. But um, I think it could be an interesting conversation for anyone who is um, in the midst of their career, as we spoke before, I think, and who is potentially considering either going into entrepreneurship or maybe playing around with the thought of um, taking more responsibility in their roles, leading teams, building something from scratch. Um, I am a psychologist by training, but I'm an entrepreneur in my two and a half company, I would say. Um, I've done two startups, this is my second one, and I've also built a consultancy in the org dev space. Uh, which then turned into a startup and a product company after all. Um, I've lived in several places amongst others, uh, the Netherlands, um, Argentina, China, the US, um, of course, and Germany, and uh, definitely um, can tell stories around kind of how to take risks and jump into things and building things from scratch. I think that's my specialty. But also as a female founder, um, I think have seen the bright and dark sides a little bit of our space, like venture-funded startups. And overall, I think building tech teams and tech companies is um, also an interesting conversation. So okay. whichever so inter path you go for. An interesting blend of organizational development, leadership coaching, and the tech startup side of things at the same time. True. I did forget to say that I'm actually a leadership coach, which I, I did the certification after the uh, the studies um, and after my time spent at um, the University of Bonnie, where I did the PhD program on leadership and creativity intersection. Um, but yeah, I did actually did, um, did the team like leadership team coach uh, certification and worked a lot with founding teams. Actually, that was my kind of entry point into this whole uh, space that we are in today. Okay. Well, and one of the things that appealed in, in the information that was sent out, that you're a female entrepreneur and you talk in the, your your blurb about imposter syndrome. And that's been an area that's uh, been fascinating to me as to what it looks like and how people overcome it. So what's it been like in your experience as a founder, startup, entrepreneur, multi-internationalist? 
<laughs> so actually, it's interesting because I don't think I've um, felt or I've experienced imposter syndrome like awarenessly in the beginning of my journey. I felt it kind of getting um, worse or kind of like being more aware of it maybe as well um, as time went on. And I explained this to myself in a way that when you are starting out and you are kind of in this um, um, lower pressure environment, it always, in, in, in startups, it always feels there's pressure, right? But like when I look back to our first stages when we just started out, two, three people in a room trying to do some stuff, um, the stakes are obviously less high. You're in the beginning of the journey, you allow yourself to fail. You didn't put so much time and money yet. You're kind of like, okay, cool. Let's see where this goes. Maybe I'll stop doing this in six months. And we've been on this journey for five years now. We have um, over 10 people on the team. We raise substantial amounts of money. So the stakes are very different for me, obviously. So I think that awareness definitely drives more imposter syndrome. But I also am undecided yet around whether we actually have really improved <laughs> supporting female entrepreneurs. I'm not quite sure, to be honest. But there's definitely more awareness on the topic. But when I look into like the specific situations that you face as a minority founder, I think there is still a lot of work to do and they still haven't gotten like much better. So maybe it's kind of a combination of higher stakes, but also facing those uncomfortable situations more often that then led me to believe or led me to realize, wait a minute, like it's when I compare my experience with my co-founder's experience, who is like a white, tall, blonde American, um, he's amazing. There's nothing wrong with Anthony, but of course he's kind of like the the pinnacle or like the the most expected stereotype of an American entrepreneur in, in many ways. And um, there is definitely advantages we both observe, and we are very open about where that we tap into, like where he would take opportunities at first in order to open up more doors, and then kind of like work towards like positioning me on a pedestal and so on and so on. So there's funny dynamics we learn to take advantage of because we understand that there is biases. So the, the key there is to pay attention to it and then you're taking advantage of it where you can and it doesn't do any harm to have the tall white guy next to you on occasions Definitely because not. You, you're operating in a still a misogynist environment. Definitely not. I think I, I learned to take advantage of allyship of any kind. I think um, there is always silver linings, like in this case, uh, it's it's kind of the, the demographics, but in other cases, there's other allies, right? Um, I think definitely being aware of it and acceptant of it is very important because I also feel before I was not aware, then I became aware, but I didn't want to accept it. It felt uncomfortable. I felt like, yeah, I don't have that problem. Like it's all the other people. And once I started accepting it and started pushing myself to talk about it to my partner, to my co-founder, to my team, um, you make yourself vulnerable, right? Like you go out there and you're like, yeah, I've experienced this too. And then we even wrote about it with the team and so on. So it took a few steps for me to really get to a place where I'm accepting it. And even that felt imposter. I felt like maybe I'm telling myself these stories. It's really not that bad. Like it's just like over-exaggeration. Like I've lived with this forever right now. Like just, yeah, I just have to shut up and keep going. Yeah. And I still have that dialogue sometimes, but I think when you actually accept it, you can understand situations in a different way and you can basically see these biases as a neutral roadblock. So I, I also learned not to judge it. Like I judge it when I'm with my friends or when I think about politics or when I think about my life from like a helicopter point of view and I make decisions around where I want to live, what I want to do, what I want to fight for. But when I am in the actual situation, like when I'm asking investors for money or I am trying to give 
critical feedback to a male colleague or something like that, then I'm on purpose trying to kind of not judge the fact that things are what they are. I'm accepting that they are what they are. Probably this person is thinking this and that, or like, um, yeah, I'm almost sometimes pushing myself to kind of like imagine and accept the fact that there might be biases at play in the situation and prepare myself for it. And when the situation doesn't turn out as badly as it might have, and I'm kind of positively surprised and like <laughs> we move on. So I, I think it's better for me personally to kind of maybe assume the worst sometimes, even though I am aware that this also contributes to biases, obviously. That's the old uh, plan for the worst, hope for the best, isn't it? But uh, unfortunately, exactly. there still is bias. And and I love your hint of the more we think about it, the more we prepare for it, the more we can overcome it and the more we can be surprised by the lack of it. Yeah, that's absolutely true. That's so absolutely the, true. you also mentioned the last five years, the increased stakes and the seriousness of, of something. You, you've started a project in the last five years that... Um, you've sought investor help for just give us the paint us a quick picture of what that project is so that we get a context. Yeah. So bunch is the workplace ally for every professional out there that is supposed to help you like 24 seven when you have weird triggering situations at work that you don't feel comfortable asking about to anyone else like your boss or your colleagues or whatever. Um, and you could kind of like imagine it as an AI coach, to a degree and the idea behind it is as a coach myself i had the feeling that no matter how many days i sell i will never be enough there for my clients i'll never be really truly available 24 7 and those of you that do coaching on whatsapp etc know this feeling where you kind of like always have the feeling you kind of need to be available because they really need the support but at the same time you also have a family and a life and like how to balance this all so i think that was the original kind of like thought is that I can maybe build an engine and a machine that ingests these ideas from all the experts around the world and um, structures it and delivers it to those that need it and maybe can't afford a human interaction yet either, because we all know how inaccessible coaching still is, but we all kind of need it, right? So that was the original idea. We actually started out as a B2B company though. So like five, four years, four and a half to five years ago, um, Anthony and I teamed up on this idea of like, building something like that, a platform that would make this topic more accessible, productize the knowledge and so on, and sell it to companies. And we did for the first two years. And then we learned that if you, as a new business, focus on the buyer's needs, you end up building for the buyer, which in our case was an HR leader or an executive. And we noticed that there is very different needs between the buyers and organizations and the actual users. So new managers of wannabe managers, people that want to step up in organizations. And we really struggled to balance kind of like building for both because their needs were so opposing each other in many ways. Yeah. And in 2019, we had this turnaround. Um, we want to go bottom up. We really want to make a difference for the learner, for everyone out there that is building a career that is trying to step up for their teams and is trying to grow. And we won't stop until we make those people happy because they're really underserved still. This like middle layer organizations as some of you that work in that layer probably are familiar with the team leads, the department heads. They don't get the same attention as um, executives get. There's not enough budgets for giving coaching to all these people. But at the same time, they have all these expectations from the new talent moving in. So these people are really struggling still in their jobs and in their roles, are mostly underprepared for it. And so we really like seized this opportunity and said, wow, we can build a product for those people and give it directly to them. So why don't we actually create a consumer app that 
targets professionals at work because we're also just humans, consumers at work. And that was, I think, one of the best decisions we ever made. So now we are serving over 70,000 managers and wannabe managers around the world, um, and mostly in the US and Europe, but we have a lot of users in India as well. And um, it's really nice to see how needed it actually is. So that kind of was our passion project for the past five years. Uh, so your uh, your kind of mantra is become a better leader in two minutes a day, and and it's complementary to the kind of work that we might do, which is face to face coaching, as well as providing a an on ramp for people who can't afford or don't have access to the face to face coaching. Exactly correct. So we don't see ourselves as a replacement for human coaching. We see ourselves as an extension for those moments when the human coach is not available, but also for those that don't have the access to a human coach yet. So coaches work with us mostly because they see the opportunity to tap into new markets and also kind of like warm up and build audiences with truly interested like niche audiences in that vertical. Because in comparison to a LinkedIn, where of course um, most of us have some sort of following and connections and a network, Bunch users come to Bunch in order to receive very targeted advice for all these uncomfortable and challenging situations they face at work every day. So if you position yourself as an expert in those moments, it really has this magical feeling of like, without XYZ and Bunch, I wouldn't have ever resolved the situation so quickly. And it took me a few minutes to actually get through it. So this is kind of the, I think the effect we're going for. And for our coach um, customers or partners, that allows them to actually start relationships, which then of course can go into actual interactive coaching and in many ways they do. Um, but yeah, so we're at the beginning of a journey typically. And this is bunch.ai. This is bunch.ai, but have, you can have a look at exactly, it. Exactly. You can find also it find it in the app store um, if yeah. you uh, look for bunch leadership or bunch work. And and you follow a similar pattern to us because we've found that we often get pulled into an organization through the operations side because they're not getting the help that they want from HR. And so exactly. then one of our challenges is we have to then build a bridge back to HR. Otherwise, we get spat out when they find some reason to get, get rid of us. But it's the operations want practical help today for their new supervisors. Exactly. And uh, Exactly. So I think the, the interesting like a world of product and, and product-led growth uh, in comparison to service. And I, I know exactly what you're talking about, kind of thinking back of our consultancy days, you kind of have to make friends with all these stakeholders on your map in order to like not be kicked out in the budget review and stuff. In the product-led growth world, it's really all about adoption. So if you have, let's say, an engineering team and three out of five users, um, people on the team use Bunch, and it comes to the attention of the team lead and the team lead then starts checking it out, then typically they already have so much autonomy in the learning budgets that they can actually assign that learning budget to themselves. So then by the time we hit HR, we typically have multiple hundreds of people in the organization using it and on yeah. subscriptions. So our um, pitch becomes, hey, you already pay so much money from your like learning budgets. Let's just make this a B2B subscription. You will save a, a few bucks. And, and that gives us, of course, a B2B contract, which has other benefits. Yeah. And and so you're starting with the individual consumer, but then you also have opportunities for people to say, we want to buy this for our whole organization or, or even for folks like us to say, uh, let's supplement our coaching work with a subscription to, to Bunch. Absolutely. We love partnering with coaches. As I mentioned, like coaches are our best friends and we want to be the best friend of a coach to reach more people. But at the same time, 
really productize your knowledge. Many people produce content for marketing purposes and audience building purposes. And what we do is basically amplifying it by like highly personalizing the content and modularizing it and delivering it to the person when they really need it in comparison to like, let's say a LinkedIn, which is much, much more broader use and kind of like has a different um, aspiration. So to say people come to LinkedIn when they're bored, when they want to build extend their network and so on versus people come to bunch when they really want to actually learn about how to have a difficult conversation with their boss. Yeah, that's, that's cool. Our marketing director was, uh, is constantly surprised about how much content we've got and that we're not putting out there because, Hey, we did it 10 years ago and it's still useful. It's still <laughs> applicable, but we've got past it to somewhere else. So, um, you're a self-described risk, risk taker. What recommendations would you give to others who are more risk averse? Oh, interesting one. I keep going back and forth between the like risk averse and risk taking um, polls, I would say. So first of all, if you're, if you consider yourself slightly more risk averse, or you think like, oh, I should be taking more risks. Um, think about what this risk aversion actually has done for you so far, because there is obviously benefits in both approaches. Um, if you do want to make to take more risks, I think the you're set up for the best way of risk taking, which is controlled risk taking, as we call it in entrepreneurship, or um, calculated risk taking. Um, in the end, a risk by itself is not necessarily like uh, it doesn't give you anything on its own. But if you see opportunities and you kind of hold back on them because you're afraid of like the negative consequences or potential outcomes that you may or may not achieve. I think this is where a little bit more courage can come in very handy. And my tip for this is, um, and there is actually content on this in the Bunch uh, app as well, um, kind of think about the long-term perspective. So if you think about yourself in 10 years from now, would you still say no to this step? Or is it actually so deeply rooted and connected to who you are, who you want to be, your values, what you're striving for in your life, that you kind of want to do it. It just doesn't make sense for some weird tactical and pragmatic reasons, but those may not be there in a year from now. So I think taking this long-term view actually has always kind of empowered me to just go for things because maybe it's also because I, I moved to, um, from Russia to Germany when I was 10. Then I moved from um, Germany to the US when I was 25 and I kept moving around and I just learned like being an immigrant, it kind of always positions you back at square one. And it's not so bad to be in square one. It's good if you build up a few things and you invest in assets and things. So like, don't get me wrong, but I think training yourself to jump again and again and again actually also gives you lots of superpowers. And one of them being not being too scared of uh, risks. But I, I, I don't want to be kind of... Um, messaging that like risk taking is the only thing that gets you there or like that's the best thing or whatever but yeah the long-term view i think can help with not being too scared so that's uh, and you're really saying um you know most people say i don't want to take this risk because i fear a b and c you're saying well look further to the future and say what's the risk if you don't take this risk correct exactly so exactly. And i was, ho like, I was hoping about... i was hoping for <laughs> think some about free your content deathbed. From... Yeah. And, and I think that's the, it's the old Stephen Covey thing, isn't it? Is what you want written on your tombstone. And, um, and it's that, you know, if I sit here and don't take this risk, then what does that mean for the people around me, for my opportunities? And, you know, if it fails, then I push myself off and get back up again. 
Yeah, but also this feeling of regret, right? Like most people report when they are very close to death when they're at the end of their life, they report that they never regret the things they've done because you always can pull learnings out of it. There was always silver linings, but you will never know what would have happened if you would have jumped on this opportunity. So yeah. we are much more prone to regret things we haven't done. And regret is not an easy thing to deal with when you have like a finite amount of time to um, make things happen. So I'm a big believer in kind of putting yourself in the shoes of you in like 10, 20, 50 years from now, and then asking yourself, would I regret not doing this? And if your intuitive answer is, yes, I would, you have to do it. <laughs> yeah, have to do it. Go out, get the funding, start it up, move to a different country. Yeah, if that's what's required, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, I, th I think that... Um especially when we look, we're not sure what the economy is doing next year. We've gone through COVID. There's a lot of people who are couching their risk a little bit more to try and maintain a sense of level sanity. And, and, and yet it's those risks that uh, we take and those opportunities we, we step into that uh, are the difference makers quite often. I actually have a very unpopular opinion in 2023. I think it's going to suck. As in, maybe like, you know, more people hope like, oh, no, no, it's going to be great. It's going to be not as bad as everyone says. I think it's going to suck. Um, my first job was in 2008 and it did suck and it will suck again. It just is what it is. But I think if you actually accept that and you move through it instead of avoiding it, even in your thoughts, you'll arrive at this point of this is a massive learning opportunity. Like this can only be a year of growth. It can only push us. Yeah to change and transform and adapt like maybe no other year before and we can foresee it with 2020 nobody saw it coming right like we were developing bunch as a commuter app we were thinking people going to work in their like <laughs> five to ten minutes commute or whatever they can listen to like a piece of wisdom on their way put themselves in the mindset of like learning and growing and then boom uh, COVID hit and we're like oh oops we need a remote because commute is now from couch to bathroom yeah. So the audio mode doesn't make any sense. So we we both we have both actually read mode and audio mode now. But um, to, to give that example, I think when these things come suddenly, um, it's actually much harder to we we spend more energy trying to adjust. And my like advice and recommendation for everyone out there would be: twenty twenty three is going to be a challenging year for all around, personally, professionally, with business. This doesn't mean you shouldn't take risk. In fact, it will require you to take more risk, but in a more calculated way but it will also um, allow you to leverage more growth opportunities. So you actually, I hope and think, you'll look back in 2023 and think that you made more progress than ever before because of how challenging it was. Right. So there's a bit of a theme to your message in some ways, which goes back to that uh, hope for the best, plan for the worst, and that planning for the worst, then take that as an opportunity. So if it, if it does go there, this is an opportunity to learn, opportunity to grow, opportunity to pivot in a different direction potentially and i think that's absolutely that's a challenge for many people isn't it that when some some force is coming at them they tend to hunker down and say this force is happening to me i can't do anything about it and what you're saying is yeah look to see what you can do look to see how absolutely. you step to one side and take advantage of it um uh, it, it feels absolutely. like sailing you know the wind's blowing in the wrong direction well what can we do and let's see if we can make some headway in going roughly in our right direction, at least. And if not, let's learn it, something. Exactly. We call it take the lead at Bunch. That's kind of our hashtag at this point. 
Um, we all get opportunities to take the lead many times a day, many times a week and a month. And I, all I'm saying is it's in this, in a way, it's the same as this year or previous year. If you do take the lead, you'll have more opportunities to learn from them or succeed from them. There is only like two ways to go. <laughs> um, but if you actually hold back and you kind of like don't take the lead and you stay in the background, you don't lean in, you kind of just like slow things down. Um, so it's not like you will actually get less uh, negative outcomes or whatever. It's just will kind of you will not progress as fast. And sometimes that's also OK. Like um, I, I wanted to mention that positioning yourself to grow in 2023 especially as a business owner or a leader of a team also means thinking about supporting your team and thinking about how can you support them because if it's a growth opportunity it's going to be a growth opportunity for all so everyone will be stretched and since you are responsible for providing guidance and safety for those people around you and your customers you need to think harder like more in scenarios of planning, going back to the like, hope for the best, plan for the worst, it'll require more scenario planning on your end. So don't get me wrong. I'm not saying like, oh, it's going to be also great. It will be great because it will feel like you've really, you know, run like a good race, but yeah. you have to plan the race as well. Yeah, you've done the work. Exactly. Yeah. And I like that, 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 you know, be the leader kind of call to action. And the way we would frame it is that leadership's about the choices we make that influence the people around us. And so it's that step into that space and make choices that positively influence the people around us, no matter what else is happening. Wow, this is like super in line with how Bunch defines leadership. We define it as a set of behaviors that impacts yourself and others in a positive way. There you go. <laughs> we see. I knew we were aligned. So uh, tell us where okay. we can find out more. Um, Bunch.ai or on the app store, or if you want to connect and follow my founder journey as well, or ask any questions around um, what it's like to be a VC-backed startup or entrepreneurship overall or pro building products, I'm always happy to nerd out. You can find me on LinkedIn with my name. And I hope, I think you'll be linking it in the copy, uh, in the show notes anyways, and also on Twitter still. I'm kind of deliberating with how long I'll stay there, but for now I'm still there under Daria Gutnick and let's see how long. Yeah, well, I'm off of Twitter, but uh, we've got to get the organization off next. Uh, Daria, thanks very much. I'll put some links in the show notes uh, for folks. And uh, I look forward to uh, seeing your five-year work and investment pay off and, and potentially partnering with you in the future. Sounds amazing. Thank you so much for the great chat. So that was Daria Gutnick. And uh, she is at bunch.ai for further information about uh, that tool. And you can check it out. And I said, it's really about the uh, how do I look for coaching between the coaching and, and see what can supplement it. We'll have a look and see. And, and uh, we'll, I've got a conversation with Daria in 2023 to, uh, to see what that would look like to partner more broadly. So I uh, will keep you up to date with that. Thanks for listening. That was the Humanity Leadership Podcast. My name's David Wheatley. For further information about Humanity, go to humanity.com or check out our latest book, What Great Teams Do Great, from all good bookstores. Have a good one. Stay healthy.